Greetings, Writer Strike and Actor Strike supporters, and welcome back to Tune Out. This will be a podcast that replaces Stay Doomed During the Strike. I am your host, as always, TV's Noah Houlihan, joined, as always, by Laura Prince. Yes, and as usual, we stand in solidarity with the Writers Guild of America and SAG-AFTRA. Yes, you can find uh, links on how to support them in the comments down below, or the the description down below, rather. And uh, last time while we were tuning out, we were discussing the Rolling Stones article at the top 50 biggest bonehead decisions uh, made in television, and we made it halfway through, so we were like, ah, it's a two-parter now. All right. So let's, uh, let's just jump right back in. We are coming in hot, and we are hitting one that essentially is one of my speculatory ones, and I'm taking credits. Okay. Uh, One of mine was keeping shows around that should be finished as zombie versions of themselves. Mm -hmm. And number 25 is Glee remaining a show once the characters had graduated. Yeah. That was silly. Because it says Glee brings in a new class. This was the same show, though, right? It wasn't like... Did they make a new show that was like Glee, the second class? No, no, it was okay. still Glee. Uh, the show actually then just decided to sort of split itself. It spent some of the time at the new sc- at the school with Mr. Shu, mm-hmm. and some of the time in New York City where Kurt Santana and Rachel had moved after college or after mm-hmm. high school. Yeah, no, you get four you get four years of Glee. <laughs> Yeah, I think they would have been better off rebranding entirely and just saying, like, just following those characters to New York. Yeah. Uh, uh, Yeah. I didn't like Glee anyway, so. I hate Glee. I hate Glee. I don't care about regionals. Is this about regionals? Uh, Number 24. ESPN decides that Rush Limbaugh would make a good football commentator. Hmm. I don't really remember this. I do remember uh, him saying something about Donovan McNabb. That, uh, don't come after Philly. That's just a mistake. And uh, this was also, if this was in 2003, in January 2005, McNabb led the Eagles to the Super Bowl. Yes. We don't talk about what happened after that. But it wasn't like McNabb was a crappy quarterback who... Mm -hmm was, you know, not performing well. McNabb was a solid quarterback, and Limbaugh implied that he was only in the role he was in because of his race. Which is insane because, like, we had Randall Cunningham before him. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, dumb. Dumb to dumb, 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 dumb. Also, Limbaugh is such a uh, divisive political figure, and... Whereas politics has been more pervasive in every aspect of life uh, in 2023, in 2003, it was pretty easy to not deal with politics and all things. Yeah, like... So bringing in politics is a bad decision on ESPN's part. Yeah, because they brought in what's-his-name from SNL to do Monday Night Football. Dennis Miller. Dennis Miller, which was weird. Uh, but I don't believe Dennis Miller made everything political. No, he made everything highbrow. <laughs> yeah, like, pol- it's not the politics of the host, but it was his inability to not bring politics into it. Yeah. Which is funny, because I do feel like that is something uh, one side disproportionately says, like, keep politics out of X. Mm-hmm. Um, but then... You know. They invite politics in. They Which, insert politics in. By the way, fun fact. Do you know who the commentators were for the XFL? No. It was Jim Ross and Jerry Lawler were one of the teams. Okay. And then the other was another football guy I don't remember. And Jesse Ventura, while he was actively the governor of Minnesota. <laughs> That's so dumb. Yeah, it was insanity. That being said, if the XFL wants to hire me for any reason... Mm-hmm. You have my number. No, I you don't. But I applied. I applied for the XFL. Did you really? Yeah. There's a whole video about it. <laughs> I guess I'll link that in here somewhere. So, number 23, CNN moves Don, Len- Don Lemon to mornings. It's mornings, Lemon. Uh, I don't remember this at all. Uh, oh, boy. Uh, ew. 
Laura's a faster reader than me. <laughs> so, this isn't really... It's very interesting because it's... Moving from Don Lemon from his evening slot to CNN this morning with two other anchors and he didn't have chemistry with the other anchors. And I don't think it's the chemistry or moving him to mornings. I think it's Don Lemon said something gross and stupid. Yeah. Talking about how women are out of their prime. Ooh. By their 40s. Ooh. About Nikki Haley who was talking about running for president. Where your sexual prime is not exactly important anyway. No, no, it is not. So, It's also a great way to write off women in general. Yes. You can't run for president until you're 35. It's incredibly dismissive on every level, whether you agree with Nikki Haley's politics or not. Yeah. Uh, If you're a woman, it's just a gross statement. Yeah. Number 2020... Number 2022. It's a big list right now. Um, Number 22. Uh, Netflix's Arrested Development. That's incorrect, in my opinion. The Arrested Development breaks the format with convoluted Netflix season is not the mistake. The mistake is Fox had an Emmy-winning comedy it didn't know how to sell. Yeah. Like... If you were able to just figure out how to get people to watch Arrested Development on Fox, it wouldn't have to have gotten canceled and moved to Netflix. It would have ran for nine years on Fox. So why are we blaming them for trying to resurrect a great show that Fox already fumbled? Yeah. I have real passionate there. (laughs) And by the way, the Netflix season of Arrested Development is not great, but... Those first three seasons are incredible, and the fact that Fox couldn't figure out how to market it is on them. Yeah, and Netflix's Arrested Development had production issues. Yeah. Of everybody having conflicting schedules because yeah. a lot of these people were now bigger stars. Yeah, because Michael Sarah was a much bigger star at this point. Because of their roles in Arrested Development. Mm-hmm. And uh, it became very difficult to shoot. Uh, it also became difficult to shoot because... Uh, during this production and during the production of Rust Development in general, uh, Jeffrey Tambor was really abusive. Yes. Toward... The the mother character, yes. Jeffrey Tambor was really abusive and dismissive toward Jessica Walter. Mm -hmm. And in an interview, the other male actors are very dismissive of her feelings. Yeah. Um, And it's... Absolutely revolting. Mm-hmm. Uh, the way that uh, the way that interview reads is just super gross. Yeah, and like none of the other actors really support her in the way that they absolutely should have. Mm-hmm. And it's just it's it's really really just nasty and a lot of the men talk over her during it and i'm reading like there's an npr article that explains why this is so problematic Mm -hmm. and it kind of goes like uh will arnett tries not to get into it yeah uh jason bateman uh tries to defend jeffrey tambor and has actually colored uh, a lot of people's view of Jason Bateman after that. Yeah. <sighs> uh, Jeffrey Tambor had to make a statement. I was so eager to let Jeffrey know that he was supported in his attempt to learn, grow, and apologize. I underestimated the feelings of the victim, another person I deeply love, and she was sitting right there. I'm incredibly embarrassed and deeply sorry. I shouldn't have tried so hard to mansplain or fix a fight or make everything okay. Really, it's this gross... Uh, essentially it had other problems. Yeah. And kind of got it, it, it got yeah, more problems worse than Netflix not being great. Yes. <laughs> uh, number 21, ooh, this is going to crush you. The State Leaves MTV for CBS. Yeah. Is that Charles Boyle? Yeah. The, the State is incredible. Like yeah, it's it's Boyle from Brooklyn Nine Nine. It's 
Michael Ian Black. Who I can see in the picture, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Next to him is the guy from the Aerosmith ride in... (laughs) Uh, from Burning Love. Yeah, he's also from Burning Love. Every time and I'm on party that, down. Every time I'm on Rock and Roller Coaster, I remember that Mark Orlando is in the ride for the first time, seemingly. Mm. Yeah, and I'm excited about it every time. Uh, over there to the left, with his shirt open, that's uh, David Wayne. Uh, he's uh, part of Stella, and uh, uh, he directed the movie The Ten. Behind him is Michael Showalter. Like, this was such a huge comedic force. And uh, the the state is an unbelievable sketch comedy show on MTV. And then they moved to CBS, and I don't remember them doing anything with them on CBS. It appears uh, they aired a single special. Other than the Halloween special. That's the only thing that ever aired. And I remember watching it with my parents, and this is how I found out about the state. And the joke was that the state had been running on CBS for 20 years and they were reminiscing about it as well as canceling it. Wild. Uh, the, the guy in the sunglasses is also uh, uh, the guy from Reno 911. Is he the guy? Is he Lieutenant Dangle? He's Dangle, yeah. I don't know what his face looks like. Uh, I think I've only seen him wearing sunglasses. <laughs> so... Uh, the, the plot of the special is like them reminiscing about all these things that didn't happen. And I just, the thing I, cause my mom really wanted to watch it because the advertised sting was going to be in it. <laughs> and sting, the singer, the singer sting, from the police okay. or sting Darby Allen's dad. And stings like, uh, what was my favorite sketch from the police or from, uh, the state? Uh, they picked the little boy out of the audience and they set him on fire and threw him off a bridge. <laughs> I know it's not that funny, but I really laughed. And then, like, right after that was, I believe, Ben Stiller talking about how the state was such a, a big influence on him that he was so excited when he actually got to go see the state and they picked him out of the audience, lit him on fire, and threw him off a bridge. Uh, the state... Uh, it's so brilliant. They end by singing "Let It." Uh, they sing "Hey Jude" as the ending of this special, while producers are like, "You have to stop. That's the most expensive song for you to be singing right now." Uh, it's it's so beautiful, and the fact that it's only that one special. I mean, all these guys go on to have amazing careers, except I don't know who that is. Uh, <laughs> That it's not that big of a mistake, but CBS didn't know what they had. Uh, number 20 is UPN Greenlight's The Secret Diary of Desmond Pfeiffer. Again, I... I have no idea what this is. So this is one that I would actually really like to do for the show. Yeah, does it ruin UPN? Uh, and I'm looking at it and it appears at least some of it is online. Um, I'm, I'm currently looking at, okay, good. It's about a black British nobleman in the 1860s. Yes. And works for Abraham Lincoln. (laughs) And so it, it, okay. Premier episode shared for historical reference. So at least the first episode is available, but yeah. five were aired, and I would ideally... Of the nine that were shot, yeah. I would ideally like to do all five. Yeah. That's an interesting one. But it's also like a, quote, bizarre, horny version of the White House. Number 19. I'm going to let you drive on this one because I hate this show. Seinfeld kills off Susan in a heartless fashion. I kind of get what they were doing here. Uh, basically, there's a season of Seinfeld where George and Jerry make a pact that they're going to get married. Right. And Jerry doesn't go through with it, but George proposes. So there is a whole season about George getting married. And this is supposed to be the show about nothing. Yeah. And we're building and building to like this moment where everything is going to change. But because George is so cheap, he bought the cheapest envelopes for the wedding invitations possible. 
and they were toxic, so they kill Susan. Oh, I hate it. And the joke of it is, George's reaction is, oh, do you want to go to the diner? Oh. And like, it's really gross. I understand the bit is like, George is terrible. And like, it's kind of this commentary of death to everything for the status quo. Yeah. And looking at it that way is kind of fun. And what happens right before that is Jerry proposes. So Jerry's now getting married, but George is getting out of it. And the last thing of that episode is Jerry going, we had a pact. So it's a good callback to be like, you didn't go through it for George, but now you're going to hold George to it. And that's more important than the death of his fiance. Like there's comedy there. But it's so morose that it outweighs everything. Uh, I like Seinfeld. I think Seinfeld's very funny. But, like, looking back at this, it is really gross. Yeah, and even fans of Seinfeld apparently weren't... Didn't receive it well. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've never liked Seinfeld. Uh, We were a Frasier household in the least surprising thing I could possibly say. Mm -hmm. And I just... I never... I've never been into comedies where everyone's awful. Right, right. I've never been a big Always Sunny girl. Mm -hmm. Uh, I have to at least kind of like somebody. Yeah. Like, I love community. Because even when everyone's being a jackass, you do care about them on some level. Yeah. Even characters like Chang and the Dean. Yeah, I mean, Seinfeld is the first no-hugging, no-learning sitcom. That was Larry David's, like, thing. And, like... Community has hugging and learning in it. And, yeah. like, you need those moments sometimes. I like Seinfeld. And I, again, want to say that this is number 19 on this list. Yeah. After this, there would be more episodes and seasons of Seinfeld, and it would go off the air the number one show in America. Yes. How is this number 19 on this list? Uh, I at least agree with this being higher because it's famous. Some of these I'm like, oh, the Mad About You reboot. How could it be one of the top 50 worst decisions if nobody cares? Exactly. This at least people cared. People cared. Oh, yeah. Number 18 is one people cared about too. Lost blows the ending. Yeah. The thing about the Lost ending is the actual final frame of it is brilliant. And... The one thing that they always talked about is we know the final frame of Lost and we just want to get there. And they got there and I think they nailed that part. Yeah. It's the other 58 minutes of it (laughs) that are not great. I believe the theory that everybody figured it out. So they were like, nuh-uh. Yeah. I, I think they got very reluctant to admit that everyone knew it. Yeah. Piece of it is just their inability to solve all of the mysteries. It felt very like we're gonna put this in there. Well, why is that there? Ah, yeah. Like there's some stuff that like I understand is mysterious. Like there's a final conversation between Hurley and uh, the uh, what's Ben? Yeah, where they discuss like their the rest of their life had already passed on the island, and they were like. You were a good leader. And he was like, you were a good number two. And like, you don't know what happened. But it's enough to be like, oh, okay, that's interesting and stuff like that. There's a moment that haunts me where they find the foot of a giant statue. Like the rest of the statue's gone. And there's just a foot. And Desmond goes, I don't know what's stranger, the size of it or the fact that it only has four toes. And we never know what that's about. It never comes up again. <laughs> Yeah, Lost was... Oh. Did, did I ever show you the TED Talk that J.J. Uh, Abrams does? No, because I probably would have been like, no. Is it like 20 minutes of really riveting talk and then 10 minutes where he just totally blows it? Basically. Ha! It's, I was doing a bit. It's about the importance of the mystery box and what's amazing about the mystery box. And it's about him as a child. He buys a magic kit. Yeah. That has 
five tricks in it, but he doesn't know what they are. Okay. So he talks about how exciting it is to not know. And he's like, the magic will be gone when I open it, because then I'll know what's in it. So he never opens it. Okay. That's fine. That's not how TV shows work, though. No, I... I don't think I can think of a J.J. Abrams project where he's, uh... Stuck the landing? Yeah. Star Wars. Yeah. 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 I was super disappointed in Super 8. Uh... Rise of Skywalker is the angriest I've ever been in a movie theater. Really? Yeah. Oh. I think I was angry at Spider-Man 3. (laughs) I'm not going to lie. I could at least laugh at how stupid Spider-Man 3 was. Like, when he's doing the emo dancing, I was laughing hysterically because it was so bad, which is like the proto moment of like the woman I would become. Yeah. I think, oh my God, is that my origin story? That might be your origin story, yeah. <laughs> Spider-Man 3 is my origin story. Um, But I was... I remember turning to you and going, if Ewoks show up, so help me God. And the next thing we hear is, yuck, nub! And I was like, I will go flip I, a table. When you said that to me, I shot you a look of, of course Ewoks are about to show up. Everyone's showing up. <laughs> the fact that you thought they weren't showing up is really on you. <laughs> yeah, I have a uh, long-standing and documented fear of Ewoks. Oh. Except for that one pair of pajama pants I own. We have no other Ewok paraphernalia. And I own a lot of Star Wars crap. Yeah, we do. We do. Uh, number 17. The Brady Bunch Variety Hour becomes a thing. Yeah. Uh, they make fun of this on The Simpsons. Uh, the, the, I think the weird thing about this is they keep trying it and it continues to never work. Because they did this with the Osbournes as well. Yeah. Which was something we wanted to do on the show and we can't find. Uh, but yeah, they, they just tried to become a variety hour. They're not a real family. <laughs> and uh, the whole family didn't show up. Yeah. Uh, Jan was replaced by another woman. Yeah, because they, they make fun of this on The Simpsons where they... There's a, an episode of The Simpsons, it's one of my favorites, actually, where it's three Simpsons spinoffs. One of them is, like, Chief Wiggum in Florida as, like, a badass cop on the edge. And the last one is The Simpsons Variety Hour, and they replace Lisa with, like, a blonde teenager. Uh, I am now forced to think Andy Green, the writer of this article, is baiting us. Oh, the show lasted a mere nine episodes, and you truly need to go to YouTube and revisit the horror of this thing. Laura and Noah, who are reading this. It feels, that, feels, that feels really targeted. Number 16. The Ropers quit Three's company for their own ill-fated spinoff. Yeah, I mean, there's been a couple of these. Cleveland from Family Guy did the same thing. Uh, spinoffs are tough, but... Spinoffs often do well. Yeah, and uh, it, it's interesting because when you look at it, uh, the Ropers had a deal that if the show was canceled in less than a year, they could go back to Three's Company. Yeah. Smart. They canceled it in a year and a half. Oh. Aw. <laughs> and uh, Norman Fell, who played Mr. Roper, uh, apparently thought it was intentional that they weren't canceled until... They couldn't come back. Yeah. Interesting. Number 15, Star Trek The Next Generation fires Gates McFadden before season two. I didn't know that. Yeah, I'm not a Trekkie or a Trekker. I think if you start at TNG, you're supposed to be a Trekker. Uh, uh, I was original series and, God help me, Voyager. Ah. Voyager was airing when I was like in elementary school. Uh, I have a core memory of sitting at recess on a rainy day in the classroom playing with my Star Trek Voyager action figures. You are cool. (laughs) Oh, yeah. That definitely didn't contribute to 10 years of bullying. Oh, my God. Yeah, I was not into any of that. I watched Sequest, but I wasn't really a Trek guy. Uh, So I don't have anything to say. Do you have anything to say? Uh, No, I I think it's interesting. Uh, They brought her back. So she's only gone for one season. And again, well, again... Star Trek's doing fine. 
Yeah, like, was it a great decision? Was it a great decision? No. But ultimately, it ended up not mattering. They bought Crusher back. Whatever. Uh, I just read 14, and 14's very funny. Westworld confuses the shit out of everyone. I will say, there was a time where literally every person I knew walked up to me and went, you're watching Westworld, right? And I said, no. And they're like, what's wrong with you? And I was like, okay, I'll get into Westworld. And then by the time I had time to get into it, everyone's like, I have no idea what's going on in Westworld anymore. And I think, it did it even finish? Did it get canceled? Uh, I believe it did finish. It uh, had four seasons. Uh, I liked it because it gave James Marsden paying work, and I'm yeah. always pro that. But uh, I never got into Westworld. I'm usually very, very late into getting into TV shows because I work in uh, short-running television shows. Yeah. And I don't get attached very easily now. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just... Apparently, it was very, very, very good. They leaned into the Push Nevada-esque ARG light yeah. aspect of it. And people were just like, it's Sunday night TV. I got to work tomorrow, y'all. Yeah. Enough. I'll eventually... Number 13. I'm claiming another victory. The office keeps going without Steve Carell. I yeah. did... I claimed the same victory for Glee, but I do specifically mention The Office without Steve Carell in mine. So I'm claiming this win. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think if there's anything that really happens in those seasons that are worth, like, really getting into. Like, was it worth it to have the, what's his name, Robert California season? No. Not really. Was Nelly worth it? No. Was Andy's weird character arc where he just turns into the worst person yeah, in the show? Yeah, they destroy Andy as a character in those last couple seasons. Uh, I enjoy the idea of them starting a store in Florida. Yeah. Like, there's some funny stuff in that. But that's also... We also get, like, the girl that wants to have sex with Jim. I find that so interesting. Uh, because John Krasinski refused to film that. It was scripted that he was actually going to cheat on Pam. And Krasinski went, I'm not filming that. This will kill the show. And there's like three episodes from those last couple of seasons. Oh, no, no. Never mind. Steve Carell left in season seven, not before season seven. Yeah. Because one of my favorite episodes is a season seven episode. And I was like, but wait. And it's an episode no one else likes. Yeah. Uh, Andy's play. Oh, I love Andy's play. I think Andy's play is a episode only really theater kids love. Mm -hmm. And I love Sweeney Todd, too. So for me, I'm like, he's Anthony and Sweeney Mm -hmm. Todd. This is so funny. And everything going wrong and his cell phone going off. I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. Um, Yeah, There's some real good stuff. I do like the last, uh, the last maybe three or four episodes of The Office are absolutely worth watching. I think they do a very good job sending off the show. I agree. Uh, I think the one where they watch it Mm -hmm. and then Dwight's wedding. Dwight's wedding is great. I think those episodes are absolutely, absolutely worth watching. Yes. I think that was way better than whatever the farm was going to be. Yes. Uh, I, yeah, like none of the real bosses really work the way that Steve Carell worked. No. Yeah, Yeah. I understand. Um... NBC cancels Baywatch after one season. What? We can do Baywatch? No. Uh, it went to syndication. Oh. Which is very funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the same year, NBC almost canceled Seinfeld. Some people stand in the darkness, afraid to move into the light. I think those are the lyrics. <laughs> so, uh, Baywatch went to syndication where it was uh, the most syndicated television show in the world for a while. Yeah. Uh, it was, I don't know if it's still the most syndicated television show in the world, but in the 90s, it absolutely was. It's gotta be like The Office now. (laughs) Yeah, but it was iconic in the 90s. Like, I can currently see a picture of what they were wearing, but even if I didn't, I can picture that red tank suit. Mm -hmm. 
Because I, I actually, I thought about Baywatch in my real life because I had one of those red tank suits, not because of Baywatch, but because red looked good on me. It was my favorite color at the time. And I was at a pool party and one of my cousins fell in the pool. Yeah. And it was one of those parties, you know, when you're a teen, like early teenager and you somehow are like, why am I watching the children? Oh, the adults have alcohol. Yeah. So like, whereas my parents weren't drinking, my parents were also not closely watching their 13 to 14 year old because I could be trusted in a pool. Mm -hmm. And so one of the cousins fell in and I had to go full Baywatch Mm -hmm. and jump in the deep end and like fish out a four year old. It should be noted that if they didn't cancel Baywatch, it wouldn't have gone to syndication and probably would not have become the sensation it was. So this is a debatable mistake. Bad decision for NBC. Uh, It's a great decision for the syndication executive. Mm -hmm. Who? uh, It's a great decision for that exec who was like, yeah, we'll syndicate it, sure. Yeah. And uh, that one... That one was a pretty good call. Oh, number 11. Oh, number 11. A Quibi. Quibi. We've covered one. I thought we'd end up doing way more of the Quibi shows. We only did the one. It uh, was okay. And it was fine. Uh, But yeah, the idea of like, the idea of people want something very short to watch really makes a lot of sense. Yes. Uh, So like, yeah, so we're going to get them to subscribe and there's going to be ads. Wait. What? YouTube exists. Like, if Quibi was, you know, YouTube shorts or TikTok. Well, the thing is, uh, Quibi also fell victim to terrible timing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Quibi fell victim to the fact that it jumped up during COVID. Yeah, so no one was out and about. Because you could only watch it on your phone. You and could not watch it on a television. And you couldn't do screen caps or GIFs or anything. hmm And that's how shows, like, my YouTube shorts feeds feeds me a lot of television content. Mm-hmm. I have watched one-minute clips of The Good Doctor, which is a show I do not watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I had to stop. I had to start being like, please don't recommend these to me because I... I, I can't. I don't care. Oh, I just, I, I find The Good Doctor very, like, what? Wiggly, yeah. Because um, it's a neurotypical actor playing a neurodivergent role. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm i not the most comfortable with it when I'm watching it. Yeah. Quibi was dumb. <laughs> uh, number 10. This is an individual poor decision. But it is a poor decision. Uh, David Caruso leaves NYPD Blue after one year. Yeah. That, that ran for quite a few seasons. He could have made quite a chunk of money had he stayed on board for that. Yeah, it ran for over 10 seasons. And, like, after your initial contract, if you're a big enough star, you can start asking. Like, it's very well known how much major sitcom stars are making by the end of their run. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, The Big Bang Theory, most of the central cast was making at least six figures per episode mm-hmm. with, like, Penny, Leonard, and Sheldon making seven figures per episode. Yeah. You could have fetched some cash. Yep. Being on that show. For sure. Uh, I didn't watch NYPD Blue, so I don't have much to say. Uh, Literally, my only memory of it is they showed Dennis Franz's butt, and it was a whole thing. Uh, It's also the first word... Try that sentence again. It was the first network television show to use the S word. Huh. Because they, they, there's like a line where it's just like, shit happens. And it was a big deal because it's like, oh my god, this show is so adult, they're allowed to use that swear word. Which is what led to the shit episode of South Park. Yes, which I did watch. say it over a hundred times. That one I watched uh, first run. Yeah. So, number nine. The networks call Florida for George W. Bush in 2000. Yeah, so... Uh, the, if you don't, children, if you weren't around, uh, a news network, CNN, uh, calls Bush the winner and then they all have to rescind it because it begin, it's too close to call. Yeah. And all hell breaks loose. I go to bed and I wake up the next day and we still don't know who the president is. It was like weeks. I feel like we didn't know who the president was going to be until, like, December. Oh, yeah. there was It was a problem because 
this was also the like the butterfly ballot issue came up where and the the hanging chads yes. where some of the votes were not being correctly counted. It was a uh, it was a weird time. Um cuz I remember having an argument of like we got to count these votes and my friends being like, "You know Gore's not going to win, right?" And I was like, "Yeah, but you still count the votes. That's how America works." Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's how the 2020 election where votes were being counted for like four, I believe election night was Tuesday and the election was called Saturday morning. Yeah, it was, it was a weird time. Yes. December 12th. Luckily, every election after this went off without a hitch. (laughs) (laughs) Jimmy Carr. (laughs) Um, Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Uh, but yeah, it shouldn't have been called that early. No matter who won or lost, it should never have been called that early. Yeah, for sure. Okay, number eight is a very solid bad decision. Mm -hmm. HBO, TNT, Showtime, and FX all turned down the same drama. Breaking Bad. Mm -hmm. One of the greatest shows to ever be created. Um, I will say I get why TNT wouldn't have been able to run it. TNT was not... I'm going to be honest. TNT, I mostly think of as sports and, like, wrestling. TNT knows drama. That was their line. I know. Um, I I know because I was working with an organization with very similar uh, initials that made fun of it constantly. (laughs) But, like, there was a time where TNT, like, constantly had those, like original programs that were like, ah, it's on TNT, though. Yeah. Uh, A lot of procedurals, mm -hmm. stuff like that. Um, I think it could have worked on HBO. I think it could have worked on Showtime. I think it could have worked on FX. I think it could have worked on FX. FX put out a lot, like, I think people forget how popular FX dramas were, like The Shield and The Americans and things like that. FX actually said it was too similar to a lot of their other content. Because they had a lot of anti-hero... Like, 2010s was, like, the anti-hero era. I also think, like, Fox also ran Malcolm in the Middle. So I think we needed to give him some distance from Fox. Yeah. So we didn't just see him as Malcolm's dad. Ryan Cranston. Couldn't think of his name. <laughs> so, yeah. Definitely a mistake on those, but it uh, turned out okay for... Uh, Good old, what was it, A&E? Uh, no, AMC. 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 And it worked out great for Vince Gilligan and Brian Cranston. And um, Aaron Paul is one of the few people who directly benefited from the 2008 writer strike. Mm-hmm. Uh, because of the writer strike, they couldn't kill off Jesse Pinkman. That's They were never able to write awesome. the episode where he died. <laughs> awesome. And by the time they would have been able to get to it, he they had decided beloved. to keep him. Yeah. Number seven, Fox gives Chevy Chase a talk show. Ooh, the Chevy Chase show is like one of the most infamously bad talk shows. So, guys, this is something I want to... Gentle, gentle listeners. We will never be able to do the Chevy Chase show in its entirety. Yeah, I'd love to. Purely based on the fact that it ran after... It ran six weeks, but that's still 30 hours. And Mm -hmm. we just... We don't think it would make a good enough episode to be uh, arable and to be worth 30 hours of our time to watch it. Mm -hmm. But this is one of those things that if there was enough interest, we could do a select two to three episodes and do an episode. Yeah. Uh, Cherry Chase is like infamously unlikable. Yes. Uh, He just rubs people the wrong way. I remember famously they did the roast of Chevy Chase and they had trouble getting celebrities to do it. And if you watch it, He's just sitting in the chair with a notebook because he didn't write any jokes. He was going to write rebuttals. And what he ends up saying is, you guys are comedians. I thought you'd write jokes, but all you did was swear. Like just taking the air out of the whole show. Yeah. Yeah. So the idea of like, yeah, Chevy Chase is going to be charismatic and talk to a different person every week. Or every day didn't work out. Yeah, and like there's a certain level of 
likability, at least to your guests, you have to have. Like, if you want, if you look at any listicle about who, what celebrities are actually kind of crappy people, mm-hmm. James Corden's on every one of those lists. Mm-hmm. But James Corden is able to get his guests to like him enough. Yeah. He is likable and charismatic to the people he's talking to directly. Mm-hmm. And I don't think Chevy Chase was able to do that even. There's an episode of Family Guy where they accidentally go back in time and reset the space-time continuum. And literally everything is better except Chevy Chase hosts The Tonight Show. And they're like, we gotta go back. <laughs> On that topic, number six, and this this absolutely should be a top worst network TV decision. Oh, yeah. The Leno-Conan situation with The Tonight Show. Yeah, they, they basically just promised Conan that spot. Yeah. Uh, to, to basically take over The Tonight Show. And they just... He did have it for a moment, right? Am I crazy? He, he had it, but then Leno was like, give me the hour before it? So then what ended up happening was... Uh, I'm reading, kind of reading this right off the article a little bit. That... It was a men. O'Brien signed a contract saying he would get that time slot when Leno left. And then the contract was amended to say he'd have it in five years. And when the time ticked out, Leno was like, nah, I'd like to stay. And then uh, Leno threatened to move networks if he didn't get his way. And NBC did not want to run Conan against Leno. Yeah. And then. Uh, so Leno was going to get. The Tonight Show at 10 and Conan was just going to get still the weird late night show. Yeah, after. Just in that spot. Uh, O'Brien had seven months of that show. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, it's one of those things of, it was this very old guard, new guard issue. And I know Conan has been, Conan started on NBC in 1993. So like when I'm saying new guard, Leno feels a lot older than Conan. Yeah. Conan O'Brien is 60 years old and Jay Leno is 73. So they're not that far. They're 13 years apart. Mm -hmm. That's enough to be generational. That's like boomer versus Gen X. And Leno always, excuse me, Conan always felt newer and hipper and more avant-garde. And I think I've seen a lot of narrative about how late night is floundering Mm -hmm. uh, because a handful of white dudes just have a chokehold on the genre. Yeah. And it doesn't change that often. I believe there's... I I don't believe the late night shows are back yet owing to the strikes. Right. But we are in a situation where, like, a few of them do not have hosts currently. Yeah, Corden... uh, Late show with James Corden. Yeah, the late, late show. Yeah, Corden left that show shortly before the strikes, so that show will not have a host when it returns. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, Daily Show, I do not believe, has named a new host. Trevor Noah left shortly before the strikes as well. Yeah, there was talk of a... There's a few names floating around, but I don't think there's anything, like, concrete yeah, I don't at think, time of recording. Yeah, I don't think anyone has formally gotten the job. Yeah, so, like, I, I think Kimmel's still going to be going for a bit. Fallon. Fallon is still going. Colbert. Uh, I don't know who's after... Myers? Oh, Myers. Myers is the, yeah, is the the post show. And then, I mean, there was a time it was up too late with Carson Daly. (laughs) Yeah, I I would love to see a network do something really, really imaginative Mm -hmm. and out of the box with one of those time slots. And with the awareness that, like, these late night shows nowadays are mostly YouTube fodder. Mm Mm-hmm. The monologue goes up on YouTube. Every game goes up on YouTube. Every sketch goes up on YouTube. YouTube is single-handedly keeping SNL and Late Night afloat at this point. Because I literally cannot tell you the last time I watched a Late Night show live. I'll watch clips from those shows on YouTube all the time. Mm -hmm. Well, they gave one to... Oh, I can't... Lily Singh. Lily Singh, Superwoman, uh, for a bit. And it it didn't fly the way they had hoped. Um... But that should not mean that it should go back to just white guys. Correct. Um, that's the Elizabeth Banks uh, quote mm. of, 
if a man makes a bad movie, a man makes a bad movie. If mm-hmm. I make a bad movie, women make bad movies. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's what happened of Lily Singh's show just didn't hit. Right. And because of that, women and probably also YouTubers yeah, would be negative. Because I think there are YouTubers who could carry a late night show. Yeah, for sure. Um, I just, I definitely feel like it's going to be a while before any mm. of that happens. I, I don't even know if there's an SNL alum that's recent that I could think of that could carry a show. Uh, who's doing it? I mean, like, they could do the Colin Jost, Michael Che thing. Because usually update is, like, where they look. Um, Unless it's a woman. Uh. I mean, I've said, like, I wanted Tina Fey to host The Daily Show when we lost Jon Stewart. Tina yeah. Fey was, like, the first name I threw out. For me, it was Jessica Williams. Who Jessica was... Williams would have been great. Um, but yeah. Rant over. Rant over. Number five. Roseanne torches her career with a racist tweet. I don't yeah. know that I would call this a bad network decision. Like, I mean, it's not... This is the worst oh, no, TV network decisions. Okay, so yeah. Uh, yeah, Roseanne came back and was a sensation. I mean, the, the headline is the worst decisions in TV history. So maybe that's what they're considering. Mm-hmm. And, like, I definitely understand it being this high because, like, it greatly affected a lot of people. Uh, but it, I want to read. It says it right here. It carried on as the Connors and is still running to this day. This is up there with David Caruso of it's a really bad decision for one person. Mm-hmm. Because the, the Connors is still a success. Number four. Again, SNL. This time, Norm MacDonald's firing. Yeah. Uh, Norm MacDonald was great on Update. He was. He was truly good on Update. But, like, he liked to improv, so people got upset. Yeah. But I used to... I remember him being like, I'm looking at this camera now, so maybe the cue card should be over here. All right, then. I, I totally get it because I, my dirty habit is that I will improv. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you and I do comedy together, it is very, we have such different styles yeah. of. You like to write from stage. I write from stage and I often will be like, I'm going to not do so great because I feel very unprepared and then I'll just find it. I also remember like hearing at this time that Norm MacDonald was hated by Chris Kattan. Okay. And because there was a, I think it was Jim Brewer tells a story about a sketch that they're doing with Pamela Anderson where it's like the Twilight Zone and uh, Norm MacDonald is supposed to be Jim Sterling. Sterling? No, not Jim Sterling. No. no. Who's the, the Twilight Zone guy? Rod Serling. Rod Serling. Not Jim Excuse Sterling. Me. Excuse me. Uh, but, uh. They're doing the rehearsal and Norm MacDonald's being Norm MacDonald and the whole time Chris Kattan's just yelling, do a voice. And Norm MacDonald's like, hey, imagine a world of like space and time and stuff. But when the cameras are live, Norm did the voice. He was saving it for the performance, but Chris Kattan hated that about him. Which is weird because a lot of, coming from the background, I do, there is a lot of like, I'm going to mark this and save it. So I, I get where McDonald's coming from on that. Yeah. Uh, this is saying that it's because McDo- Mc, uh, Norm McDonald made a lot of O.J. Simpson jokes and the NBC Network president didn't like that. I mean, they all did. They The cold open was always an O.J. joke. Was, yeah. Like, this is when, uh, uh, what's his name, Mike Myers was always Judge Ito. Think about that for a minute. Yeah. Uh but, like, there was constantly O.J. jokes. Everyone did O.J. jokes. I, I think Norm MacDonald probably went further than mm. everyone else did. And I think he did his after the trial. Because mm. it's one of those things of, like, it was unavoidable. Because I remember, this is such a deep pull for my history. You know Pogs? Yeah. I owned a Pog-making machine. Nice. And I remember my little friend and I making Pogs that said, O.J. sucks. Because we were mad because TV kept getting preempted for OJ stuff. (laughs) 
So we didn't have opinions on the trial. We didn't have opinions on OJ as a person. We didn't have opinions on murder in general. But we were mad because it kept like preempting TV. Yeah. I remember we watched the OJ verdict live in school. And when it was he came out as not guilty, a lot of people went, yes. Because we believed that meant that he didn't do the crime. Not that they couldn't prove it. Yeah. We're like, oh, good. OJ's still a good guy. We can go back to watching uh, Naked Gun. (laughs) So, number three. Again, this is a really difficult one. Mm. Fox passes on The Sopranos. Yeah, it's better for The Sopranos. This seems like a no-win, because Fox was never going to be able to run The Sopranos HBO ran. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so who knows if it would have they been successful. They mentioned the Who Wants to Be a Millionaire knockoff Greed in this passage. Oh. <laughs> uh, and it's... Liked Greed. Uh, apparently that season was a lot of things that did not air very long. Uh, future episodes, the Jay Moore Hollywood satire action, uh, Greed, and the Chris Carter produced science fiction show Harsh Realm, which was canceled after nine episodes. All right, we're getting a bunch of stuff. But... And, like, Andy Green even concedes. The Sopranos probably wouldn't have worked on Fox. Yeah. So why is it number three? (laughs) Yeah, I... It wouldn't have been The Sopranos. It would have been a crappy mob drama that was super sanitized because you couldn't run The Sopranos on network. Number two? NBC turns Donald Trump into a television titan. Yeah, I mean, that's, uh, with the power of hindsight, I could see the problems that that caused. That being said, The Apprentice, The Apprentice, (laughs) The Apprentice did banger numbers for NBC for years. Well, NBC also points out that, or excuse me, uh, Andy Green also points out that NBC allowed him to host SNL and appear on Jimmy Fallon whilst campaigning. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. That's a problem. Yeah, I guess, like, uh, if you take the whole, take it as a whole and not just like, hey, The Apprentice was good. Yeah, there's a lot of horrible mistakes going in here. (sighs) I just saw what number one is. All right, I guess it's time for number one. I want to say before I look at it. This was posted on our Discord yes. with the disclaimer, you will never guess what number one is. Do you want one guess? Because I, I did a lot. I, I made a bunch of guesses already. All right. So. NBC cancels Freaks and <laughs> Number one? Really? So, to me, this says more about the writer than anything. Yeah. Um, I think that what this tells us is the writer wanted to write about freaks and geeks and came up with 49 other things. So to me, actually, this says, like, the writer grew up at a certain time and feels a lot of nostalgia for this specific show. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I would think that overall ramifications, Firefly would outrank freaks and geeks. Yeah, Firefly just... not even mentioned. No. <laughs> um, and... We did a very deep dive on Freaks and Geeks. Uh, yes, we did. This actually puts a very lovely bow on these two episodes for mm-hmm. us personally. Uh, Freaks and Geeks was canceled because the showrunners wouldn't yield any ground. Yeah, like, it could have been... It's just... If, if any show refuses to work with the network running with it, it's gonna get canceled. Like, if you spit in your boss's face, you don't get to work there anymore. <laughs> it's as simple as that. Yeah, despite incredible reviews and an average weekly viewership that hovered around 6 million, I believe that is lying with statistics. Yes. Uh, because I think early episodes did pretty good numbers and then they started to fall rapidly. Yeah, yeah well, because also the schedule. Yes. Which we talked about. So, and it says, if a show wasn't pulling friend-like numbers, the network simply wasn't interested. I think that's a very unfair statement. That's a very unfair statement. And a very statement. reductive statement. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, we know this from our research into Freaks and Geeks, MTV was willing to give the show a second season. Mm-hmm. And I think it's fully possible that MTV could have done a cheaper second season, and NBC would have just taken the show back. Yeah. 
I've been like, wait, you're right. This is doing well. Uh, that is a ridiculous end to this list. And it works well for us. It does work very well for us. Um, it, what a fun surprise. Uh, thank you for putting this in our discord. Uh, I find it ridiculous that How I Met Your Mother is not on this list. And that Firefly is not on this list. Like, duh. (laughs) To me, those were considerably worse decisions. Yeah, like... Then, I think there should have been more reality TV on here, frankly. Kid Nation was a bad decision. Because, you know what's, what's interesting? A lot of this is, this is a bad decision... In, in hindsight. In hindsight. When I made my list, I was pointing to the consequences of the actions. Like, for it to be the worst decision in history, canceling freaks and geeks, what negative outfall was there to NBC because of this decision? Journalists whining about it 20 years yeah, later. this article happening. <laughs> yeah, I, like... Not having looked at the article, I think we came up with better ones. Yeah. Uh, I, I think, honestly, this article, I looked at it. It was released August 17th, mm-hmm. 2023. The fact that as a writer, he didn't add anything about unions or yeah. add anything about strikes and add anything about how, you know, corporate greed destroyed and will destroy part of the reason lost doesn't nail the ending is because of the writer's strike yeah because they lost like seven episodes of story they didn't get to tell yeah uh perhaps about the statue with four feet or four toes but like the fact that just put it up again put freaks and geeks up against firefly last episode we talked about the negative repercussions fox faced in doing that yeah this was nothing to NBC. Yeah, Fox has forever become a, the butt of a joke. Anytime Fox kills a show in season one, they they get roasted for Firefly and it's been 20 years. There are still calls of trying to find a way to bring Firefly back in some way, shape, or form. Freaks and Geeks doesn't have that. Yeah, I would. let me read the last sentence of this article. A huge cult has grown around Freaks and Geeks over the past two decades, along with questions about where the show could have gone in seasons two, three, and beyond that we'll never be able to answer. We had those answers. We had where the show was going to go. And we're like, ew, this would have been terrible to witness. Yeah, the show is just going to be miserable. We were going to open with... Uh, Linda Cardellini in the hospital after ODing at a concert. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's your answer, bud. <laughs> yeah, like, I, I'm looking at this and I have 47, 47 pages. Uh, Kim Kelly was going to come back pregnant. Horrible. Uh, I remember that the female characters were coming. Wasn't off. someone going to go to war? Or someone's going to join the army? Yes. Um, uh, Jason Siegel was, was going to be Jason forced. Siegel's character was going to be forced to join the army. That was yeah. kind of something they had set up. Uh, yeah, like the show is going to be increasingly miserable. And I do feel like... Freaks and Geeks refused to play ball with the network on any level. They couldn't give them the smallest wins. Yeah, because let me tell you something. All those people right who, who agree with this, who are sitting there like, oh man, we never got to see how Freaks and Geeks ended. What you're really saying is, I fell in love with these characters and I would love to have seen them end up okay. And guess what? That is not what you would have gotten with more seasons of Freaks and Geeks. I'd like to quote Judd Apatow here. Garth took me out to lunch once and asked for more victories. So we did the episode where Bill plays softball. We have this triumphant moment where he catches the ball and he doesn't realize everyone's tagging up. He's celebrating catching the ball, but he's actually losing the game by not throwing it to home plate. That's as far as we could get. And... Ridiculous. Like, they even admit, like, people weren't watching because the show was kind of bleak. Mm -hmm. And the show, you can't take time in a vacuum. 2003, bleak was not really the order. Yeah. 
uh, we're talking the war, like the Afghanistan slash Iraq war is 2003. Mm-hmm. We're still in that post 9-11, like we haven't gotten back into dark and gritty yet. Yeah. And I think there just wasn't, I mean, there just wasn't the... We needed light then. Yes. Because as things got a little bit better mm-hmm. worldwide, I guess, that's when we got this, like, anti-hero era. Mm-hmm. Not Taylor Swift, uh, but, like, the Breaking Bad yes. era of every and show was a cool guy doing yeah. dark As good stuff. as it was, exhausting. Yes. Always cheering for the anti-hero, exhausting. <laughs> So that's the list. <laughs> oh, and then I'm sorry. I was like looking at my notes for freaking geek freaks and geeks, and there's still. What do you mean, Paul Feig was Mr. Pool and Sabrina the Teenage Witch? Yeah. Uh, so that being said, uh, almost exactly an hour. So ah. very, very nicely done. Uh, Nailed any it. Any last thoughts on uh, on this list? If it had been in the 40s or even the 30s, I might mm. have given it to them. Yeah. But I cannot believe it's the single worst decision. I mean, like. Here, here's the, the way I'm really seeing it. When you think, all right, worst bonehead decisions of television, the first thing you think of, like, well, what got canceled that shouldn't have? The answer to that is Firefly. Yes. The fact that you went with something else and then made it number one is stupid. You should then think, what ended poorly? The answer to that is how I met your mother. Because you can point at the things that went wrong and the repercussions of not nailing that ending. He went with Lost. I have two about how children were abused. Yeah. I have, like, the Dan Schneider era of Nickelodeon and Kid Nation on my list. And, like... Which were both abusive to children. I can agree. I Like, you are right. I can understand if you're trying to keep this list light. Not going down that road. Yeah. Uh, I find it interesting that uh, there was a lot of news on this list. A lot of things about, like, anchors and things like that. And not Brian Williams kind of makes stuff up about being in a helicopter? Yeah, where was that? (laughs) Or, like, none of the scandals, really. Uh, And uh, no sports. Yeah, which is a bit odd. Because uh, you, you could have gone with like... Well, I guess it's network decisions. I guess you shouldn't say like a referee bad call. But uh, it was it was definitely a bit odd to not have like the Super Bowl halftime show on there. And yeah, I mean... Things like that. These are things with repercussions that ruined entire genres mm-hmm. or... Cha- you know, VH1 not doing proper background checks resulted in an entire genre of television being destroyed. And, like, I I also want to point out that you had a couple, like, uh, the networks that passed on Breaking Bad, the networks that passed on uh, Sopranos. I'm the one who also brought up, like, the network losing UFC when Spike lost UFC, and that's not a channel anymore. Yeah. this is entirely based off feelings and not consequences. Yeah, Super Train. Yeah. Super Train's not even mentioned. Yeah, this is a weird list. Yeah, this... I mean, I think... I think this list is based on uh, just kind of, like, what amuses Mm -hmm. and not, like, real deep dive. Yeah. There was a a podcast I wanted to do a couple years ago that I was pitching about. I think we called it like rebuttal or defend it or something. Yeah. And it was going to be me finding people who made top 10 lists and then getting them on to defend their top list, 10 list and yelling at them for what was wrong. So what do you mean? That's the greatest television show of all time. Incorrect. Uh, You and I both got one on the board. Uh, I have keeping shows that should be finished around zombie versions of themselves, and I specifically name-check The Office. Yeah. Uh, I got Al Capone's You got Al Capone's vault. And I did have, as number 11, SNL Various. Yeah. But that that's cheap, and yeah. I admit that's cheap, so I'm not going to take a point for yeah, that. that. That's similar to my... Uh, Something, something, Charlie Sheen, something, something, two and a half men. But that was a very specific thing. Oh, yeah, no, I actually, I would have, if 
two and a half men had appeared for any reason, I would have counted If you it. look at my list, uh, I had uh, CBS All Access, which, like, I said, like, something streaming, so kind of ties into the whole CNN thing. But if you look at my list, I crossed it out because I was going to put Fiona Apple, not Fiona Apple, Sinead O'Connor ripping up the, the Pope on yeah. SNL. And I was like, ah, that wasn't an SNL decision. But SNL always breeds... Controversy. Yeah, I mean Ashley Simpson's lip sync, like that. Yeah, the jig. and those don't feel like TV decisions as much as like mm. memorable TV incidents. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, that was the list. Thank you again to our patrons for uh, sending that over and giving us two hours of discussion. Uh, if you want to join our Patreon, have a voice in what we're going to do next time here on Tune Out. Uh, you can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash plus two comedy. And like I said, we are very receptive because uh, this came from a Patreon. Yes. Suggestion. So so where can people find us? You can email us at thestaydoomedshow at gmail.com or on Facebook and Twitter at Stay Doomed. And if you want to tell me what you thought should be on this list and not talk to Laura about it, <laughs> I'm at plus two comedy on X. Uh, if you still cannot bring yourself to consistently defend freaks and geeks, uh, <laughs> I am at priorities on X and glitter and glow tape everywhere else. Until next time, tune out.